welcome to Hooper Talk. Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. Remember, I'm only as hip as my guest. And uh, today's going to be a little weird, people, because my, my normal microphone is not working, so I'm on the guest two microphone. But it's all good. So i got to tell you, the uh, lovely Joanne moves moves in. I pick up at the airport Friday night, and uh, it's very weird. It's going to be weird for me because it's been you know a long time since I've actually lived with someone, and it's been a year and a half gone back and forth back east. But my friends are like, are you, are you still going to go out and drink with us? Or are you going to be whipped? And I said, well, I'm not going to be whipped. I don't even go out to drink with you guys because I'm bored. So you think I'd rather hang out with her or you guys? So there's your answer. Anyway. You're, you're going to be whipped. I know. Oh, here's my <laughs> guest. Which I was going to say something. Here's my guest. I got to tell you about my guest. First of all, his last name, it, it's, it's one of my favorite names. It's Carafotis. And it reminds me of, it reminds me of uh, Steely Dan, Banisadva. Like you could sing your, your name. Well, it's, a ver- it's a very musical name, Carafotis. Uh, when I was a young guy in school, Back in Boston, uh, I knew, you know, there's, uh, WBCN was like the hip sort of radio station back then. And one of the teacher's husbands was a DJ on it. And he had invited me because I knew a lot about the Beatles as a young kid. I was a very big Beatles fan. Now, were your parents Beatles fans or you just, you just picked well, it up on your Well, my father was big, you know, he was a big time big band fan, of course. Okay. Gene Krupa, I played his drums at 67 at Paul's Mall when I was eight years old. Okay. Um, my dad you know, used to sit and jitterbug with me, you know, like put on the big band records and read the jackets sleeves. Isn't, isn't that funny? I remember we had a, in our kitchen, my, and my dad had like no technical savvy, but above like these, these where there, people keep glasses and stuff, the stuff, my dad had a stereo. And we would always listen to Count Basie and stuff like that. Right. Always put it on. There was a station in Philadelphia on Sunday nights. And as a kid, you're like, I'm like, eh, but now it's cool. Yeah, no, no. Well, I was cool back then. But I was like four years old. And I loved, you know, he'd get up and dance. My mother and my father. My, I have a big family, six brothers and sisters. And so my dad was very- Twelve? Six of us. Six okay, kids okay, and okay. plus my parents. So it was it's, eight of us. It's big. It's big, though. It's big. And- uh, and so, you know, this is what we used to do. It was a very, very, you know, Greek family, excitable family, a lot of emotion. There was a lot of, uh, you know, parties going on, a lot of children, a lot of crying, a lot of, you know, breakages of bottles and things happening. But, uh, you know, it was fun. It was a lot of fun, too. So uh, that's what we would do. And he put these records on, and we would, you know, jitterbug to them. And then uh, then the Beatles landed, and that was, you know, my father would look at pictures later on and see me and. You know, this is when you were my son, and then all of a sudden my hair is getting longer, and that's when I lost you. you know, who, I lost you to the Beatles. Who was your favorite Beatle? Well, when I was a boy, obviously Paul, because I was left-handed. My, okay. My mother's name was Mary. Um, uh, my name is Paul, so when we used to put little bands on. You know, we used to do little tennis rackets, and, and uh, you know, I always got to be Paul. But as I grew, and I met, I've met all of them except John, even Pete Best. Now, how did you meet them? Well, I was on a TV show called Knots Landing back in the 90s. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Okay. But that's what happened. I, I went over to, I wrote, I sing and play guitar and drums and all that. And I had been traveling. I was in London. I had just coming back and I met this, people were taking my picture on the plane. It was like, I didn't realize how popular this show was. I mean, I, when I took the job, I didn't know what was going to happen, but it was pretty crazy. And and on the plane coming back, you know, back in those days when they had big planes, you could smoke, and I'd right. get, have a drink, and I'd go back the back of the plane, stand there and smoke a cigarette to kind of get a little peace of mind. And this gentleman came back, who's English, and he said, who, who are you? You know, what are you doing? There's people taking your photos. And and I told him, and next thing you know is, you know, I, uh, we're hanging out, get off the plane with his family. He, they're staying at the St. James Club in uh, Hollywood, and I was a member we get to be friendly. I give a tape to his wife who works at Capital Radio. She loves the music, flies me over to meet all these people, takes me to this Nordoff Robbins luncheon, which Paul McCartney was the guest of honor. Okay. And I had met George Martin the five days before at the St. James Club, and suddenly I'm getting out of my car, 
in front of the hotel and there's George Martin. I'm going, what's going I had no idea Paul McCartney was going to be right. there. <laughs> and, uh, you know, then I ended up meeting him and winning a contest when I was at the thing. It was crazy. I mean, it was one of these great moments in my life. And I remember calling my dad, you know, from the hotel lobby as McCartney's coming down. He was leaving. Now, I'd you know, drunk, drinking, we're a crazy, you know, and people right. kept saying, get up and go over and say hello, sitting two tables from him. And I'm saying, it's Paul McCartney. You don't understand. <laughs> I know. You, know? you can't just go and say, yeah, hey, Paul, how you doing? I'm not Hey, But the funny it. thing is I've met all these, cele- you know, Hollywood people. I was in Hollywood for 10 years. But it's McCartney. And I've been with everybody and hung out and didn't bother me. But Paul McCartney walks in the room. I got tears in my eyes. I'm crying like a little kid, like I'm four <laughs> years old again, you know, and watching the Ed Sullivan show. And it was hard for people to. But I called my dad, and this is how great my father was. I said, I'm sitting having lunch with Paul McCartney. And my father goes, did he ask you for your autograph? <laughs> Which I was, you know, took me right back down to earth there. But it was funny. It was a great time. And I've been, then I subsequently went to his house a year later, two years later. Uh, in Peace March, and I it was at his daughter's twenty fifth birthday party. Wow! Yeah, and then you know I met George. I was very close with Harry Nielsen. Okay, and so Harry, you I, know, still remember, I, I remember the album Nielsen Schmielsen. I yeah, remember, yeah. Everyone remembers that. Anyone who's over forty five sang my knows balls that. off. Yeah. <laughs> you, ba- well, Harry and I were really great friends. Now, how'd you meet him at the St. James Club? I, I got him a tape of. He Ringo's birthday was coming up, and he we were drinking at the bar, and he said, uh, "My friend, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's Christmas, and I got it, or his birthday." And he said, "I got to get him something for his birthday." And I said, "Hey, I got this tape of all these drummers, all this like, you know, Buddy Rich yelling right. at his band and all this." He said, "You kidding? Can you give me the tape?" And so I, I make a copy, and I gave him a tape, and I never got the tape back. And I was like, you know, I kind of called him out. Right? And, Where's my tape? Yeah, man? and he came. Th- I was having lunch with somebody else, and he walked into the restaurant, and he said, oh, there he is. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, bothering me about the friggin' tape. And I said, I stood up, and I said, you're a little too old to be boxing. Right. I did you the favor, okay? <laughs> Give me the tape back. And that, that broke that wall down. We became fast pals. See, and- that's cool. That's, that's very cool. So, And you never thought, you're from Boston. Yes. Now, now you, it seems like your family was fun. You listen to music. But was was there an influence while you went into acting? Or was there anything? I mean, or well, was just, it was just so much around? Because it sounds like a very Yeah, fun my mother was atmosphere. a jazz. My mother was a music teacher at the, you know, she she didn't work for a long period of time. When my, my, the sixth child came, my father was a bartender. So, you, you know, he, she had to go back to work. So she was a music teacher. And there was always music in my house. My father loved big band. My mother was a, more or less a jazz kind of pianist. She was a teacher of music. She went back to high school teaching teaching music. So I grew up and there was always shows, um, you know, productions of something right. going on. And I didn't really, you know, I didn't have any strong desire to do it, except that, you know, with being in that family, you were kind of thrust <clears throat> into doing performances and Christmas shows and church festivals and all that stuff. And then, of course, junior high school rolled around. And that was when it changed, because in junior high school, I got the lead in the play and, what was the play? You remember? Uh, it was. Uh, it was. It seems like everyone remembers that first no, play. No, I. You know, I, I will. It'll come to All me. Right. It was. But so you got the lead. Yeah, I got the lead in the play, which was shocking, and and because um, I went there to make fun of everybody getting up on stage, really, and I was laughing and making sounds, and the the you know. Uh, teacher mrs ferrari she spun around and said you get up on stage and i said me and she goes yeah that's right you and i got up on stage and i had watched what they were doing and what the you know what she was giving them direction stage left backstage front stage state right stage center i learned it just by watching and kind of making fun of everybody i got up there and did all the things she asked me to do then i read and then next it was posted that i got to lead in the play 
Pitbull must have hated you. The kids in the other class must have been like, uh, what's with know. him, man? He gets the lead. But, He's never acted, uh, yeah, and yeah, he comes in and no, takes I, it. I acted I'm because not, I, But you were joking. You were making a big yeah, 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 yeah. Well, but I you wanted to do actors. it. I but mean, obviously, there was a reason why I went and to, do, well, to we're, make we're, fun. We're, we're around the same age. So, you know what? Those those guys, back then, actors, like in my high school, yeah, were the great oh. they all wore the leg warmers, and well, they were very- You were gay. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's something wrong with you. Exactly. And that's why But I was in baseball, and I played hockey. I know, that's probably hated you. Yeah, well, no, what happened was, and I'll tell you the real, the first thing, two things happened. I got on stage and I said, the, I uttered my first line and, and 500 kids cracked up. So immediately that response, that flood coming back at you filled me with, you know, warmth. Right, right, like right. loving that. And then all the guys who were like, because I was not very tall or big, but I was a good ball player. And all the girls, like the, you know, the big blonde captain of the team and all that stuff. So, but once I was on stage, all their girlfriends were calling my house. See that? Because you were multitasking. Yes! You were an athlete and you were talented. That's right. So See? I quit baseball. You're like, how hell is this? I got into a band, actually. Uh, but it was only in high, like my last, my senior year. What did year you in high play? School. I played guitar. Okay. You still play, though. You- I still play guitar. In fact, you know, my, you know, I'm. I've written a bunch of stuff. I mean, I've directed it, you know, movies and certain things, and done the music for it. See, that's cool. That's because like, I, I, I told my listeners before, I suck at music. My brother was a great drummer. My dad was a good saxophone. My sister played the French horn and the cello. The French yeah. horn. French I horn. I don't know yeah. what that is. She was. Is, she that, was, is that a courtship she was, with a? <laughs> she was heavy. She was heavy. It's. I'm thrown off because I'm used to being on that microphone. But uh, I just, I, I, I envy. Don't people believe who, them, folks. Yeah, I envy. They know how easy to do my show. I envy people who are so. Uh, that they can play music because it just draw because I listen to it and I hear nothing. Like I'll, I'll sit there and people go, "Hey, what's that song?" And I go, "You know that song." And I'll be humming it and they're going, "Dude, well, that's just that's, age now. That's, the that's song. all that is." No, they, no, they, they always go, "Dude, that's the song you were just humming." They sound like oh. the same thing. I'm like, I don't know, but I have two thousand CDs. I love music, but I just don't. I can't play it. Well, you know, I wish that I, I had the talent as a singer. Like, I always wanted to be like, you know, when I, you see Paul McCartney sing or John Lennon. Like, I thought they had great voices. And, of course, it's, it's, it's changed but and evolved since then. But that I would give all of it back if you could just, open, you know, like get on stage like Pavarotti and just belt yeah. out, like, with the power and the force and having been being able to be very soft. Right. I, yeah. Sato, as they say. It's amazing when you hear some of these singers. And even, like, some of these... Uh, well, Sinatra women, the, was like great. The, you know, but even, even like some of the women opera singers, you sit there and you go, where does that come from? Oh, Maria I mean, Callas, you, you listen go, to her, I mean, that's like, you want to, you know, almost jump, I mean, she fills you with such, right. you know, Greek tragedy, you want to yeah. jump out a window <laughs> and just take yourself out. So, <laughs> so you're acting in junior high. Now, do you act in high school? You say, Yeah, I, I got, I was in a band and my the drummer quit because he wanted to be a football player. So I, I said, you son of a gun, you, and I went out for the football. I made the team. He didn't. So now I'm stuck playing football. I don't want to play football. Uh, I ended up quitting football, and I got you know I I got on the, the last show, which was Some Like It Hot. We did the musical version of that, and during that production, the choreographer came up to me and he said, "Look, you're good looking, you're talented, and you're straight. You should go to New York and try to." And at that same while, during the performances. Somebody from MIT had come and watched the performances and hired me for seventy five dollars to be in his theses for his you know for college right and I said well wait a minute there's two things happening at the same time you know one guy's telling me you should try this and then I got hired and I said maybe I should try to do this because I didn't want to go to college and everybody in my school my family had gone to college I didn't want to do that so I took a weekend off I was working two jobs I asked my boss if I could split early I got a girlfriend's uh, sister's uh, boyfriend was going to New York for a weekend 
So I had one one address in my my mother's book of this family that used to come and visit us like once in a while during the summers, and they lived in Glen Oaks, Queens. So I grabbed that. I knew I had to sign up at a acting school. Right, there's right. no way my mom was going to like or, you know allow me to go anywhere if there was not school involved. So I was smart enough and street street savvy enough or family savvy enough to know that. And um, I went to New York. I got myself a job on that weekend. I got signed up at HB Studios in New York, and I went to that. I found Glen Oaks, Queens. I had no idea what that was. Right. Yeah, it's, that's you crazy. know there was yeah kids on the corner with Kiss, uh, you know, like leather jackets going Kiss, you know, man, come on, you know, the power of rock. And I, I knock on this door, and the woman opens the door, and I say, "Look, I'm going to study acting. Uh, and I know you guys don't know me. You know my mom, but I'll sleep on the floor. I'll pay your rent." You know, I got a job. I didn't know I was working at Cy Sims at Park Street, the last stop in Manhattan. Okay. I'm at Glen Oaks, Queens. That's, you know, I'm up at quarter of five every morning to take two buses, two trains to get to work at eight o'clock. It was crazy. And I was 18 years old. So you did it. So I you, did it. you started acting in the city. Yeah. I, 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 started, I was studying acting. Uh, I, I started knocking on doors like everybody does. I was auditioning on Broadway for, you know, like, the replace. they always had replacement auditions, open calls. So okay. you'd get there at 3 o'clock in the morning and sign a list and come back. You were 500, you know, with lines going down 42nd Street up the, you know, 10th Avenue. It was crazy. And uh, But I never lost faith or hope. I mean, in, within 18 months, I was studying acting at, at the 78th Street Playhouse, and I couldn't afford it. And this is one of those stories. I was making, it was 10 bucks a class. I couldn't afford it. I, I lost my job. I was a busboy. I was living on 107th Street and Broadway. And my teacher, who was uh, Joanna Merlin, who was an actress and also a casting director, called me and said, why don't you come into class? And I said, I can't afford it. I got lost my job. And she said, I, I want you to come to class. You have some talent, and I want to talk to you about something. So I went to the next class. She gave me a scene to do. I did a scene. She was she loved what I did. We walked together up Broadway. We're on 78th Street. She lived on West End Avenue, and she said, "Did you know that I was a casting director?" And I said, "No." And she, and which I lied. I really did know. And she said, "Well, look, I'm casting this movie called. At the time, it was called Broadway. It was called. It ended up being called Headed for Broadway. And there's a, a kid from South Philly, Ralph Morelli. Uh, take the script home. Read the script. You're going in on Monday. Don't tell the director." that I gave you a script, you go in there and be that guy. Okay. I read that script, went in there, met Joe Brooks, who had the Academy Award on his desk, the People's Choice Award. He had just won because he wrote Jingles and he wrote You Light Up My Life. Okay. Okay, so he's got the Academy Award for that, the number one song in the world at that time. And I had, remember sitting, he had a seat, very low. So you sat on the seat, I'm looking at this desk, and there's the Academy Award and the People's <laughs> Choice. And then his head was somewhere between them. So I remember standing up and then separating the, the Academy Award and the People's Choice so I could see his head. You know what I mean? So That's crazy. That so, image. Was and that I your... told him the story. I'm like, oh, my family didn't want me to do this. And, oh, you know, I was, you know, was going to be digging ditches. And he jumped up, you know, and he went out and got me a script. The next thing you know, I'm, and I'm starring in a movie. No, it's not, that was like your first big audition, too, right? I mean, Oh, no, no. I had a couple things. Rex Smith, in fact, who ended up being in the movie with me, who was a teen idol, one of the very first uh, shots I got was that he did a movie of the week called uh, Sooner or Later, which spawned that single, uh, You Light Up My... No, which You Take My Breath Away. And I was I had five or six auditions for that. I almost became the drummer in his band in that movie of the okay. week. And then a year later, I get a starring role, and he, we end up in a film together. 
So I know, I know you're. See, I know one of the other movie. One of his was in uh, All the Right Moves, which uh, Tom Cruise. But man. it's so funny because you know, in college, we remember when that movie came out, and you know, it was just it was cool because I, I think it, they released it after Risky Business. I'm not sure. I yes, no, no, it was because Risky Business got that wave, and they said we'll put it out. And everyone, I mean, it was one of those things that you know we'd sit there and you guys would just watch it. Like uh, every guy loved that movie. I yeah, mean, no, no, it's a big. That was a, you know, it's actually become much, when it was released, it didn't do very well on the heels of that movie, unfortunately. For me, because um, you know, I was getting there was a lot of buzz on me at that time at Fox, and they were doing Billy the Kid. They wanted me to star in that movie. Billy the Kid was from New York, right? So they, I looked like the Italian kid from New York, which I'm a Greek from Boston. I know, but that's, that's okay. <laughs> I made my living for many years as an Italian. That's okay. So, uh, so I love the Italians. I just had a meatball. Now, what was that movie like? <laughs> I mean, was, was Tom Cruise? I mean, he wasn't. I mean, he had, that was. Before Risky Business. That was probably one of his first roles. Well, we I had done Heading for Broadway and Choices with Demi Moore. He had done um, uh, he had done the uh, rest what was the Taps? He had done Taps. Taps, yeah, Taps Hot and Valley. And then Forge. another movie, which was uh, you know, and then Risky Business was in the he had to I remember he had to leave while we were shooting to go do pickups. Because they, you know, the pickups if for the, those view listening viewers that or uh, listening audience, listeners, the listeners out there in indie one hundred dot com. Don't give me hell about the French horn. Yeah, the French horn, the corn. Whatever. Um, when you're working on a movie, you, you you have to if you finish one and then go to do another one. Usually, when they're putting the first one that you were working on together, they'll they find that they have missing scenes. And then, then they contact the production company of the movie you're working on, and as a favor, they release you for whatever days they may need you, and you get to go shoot, reshoot, whatever they need. It's kind of a courtesy they do production companies back and forth. So he had left, and when he came back, they must have shown him the movie, because when he came back, you could tell there was a big uh, difference in his, let's say, um, demeanor. I, I, I heard a story about him uh, years ago, because, no, he's from... Uh He's from um, uh, South Jersey, uh, Central Jersey. He's from down a beach town uh, right. around Neptune. And a buddy of mine said he worked at a restaurant. And, you know, Tom Cruise wanted his steak, you know. He was all being a, I want my steak wrapped up. Blah, blah, blah. And then, so they put it on a dishwasher, ran it through. Oh, and good. Yeah, it well, up. he deserved it. <laughs> <laughs> so now when, when you got that All the Right Moves, were you in New York or were you in L.A.? No, I was in Los Angeles. And the funny thing is I met to play the lead in that, to play the where Tom eventually ended up playing. Uh, Steph Dravoig, whatever his last name was, Dravoig. Well, how'd you end up moving out to L.A.? You were in New York. You well, I did movies. my first movie, Heading for Broadway. And, and then uh, Rex moved to Los Angeles and. Uh, you know, I wasn't going to let him have. He was calling me up, going, "But the Playboy Mansion, okay. you got to come out." You know, and I was like, "Playboy Mansion." I was like twenty years old. You know, so I got on a plane and I moved out. I sublet my place in New York on 107th Street and moved out. And we lived together in Stephanie Powers. We rented a house from Stephanie Powers That's funny. up on Angelo Drive, like the last house on uh, in Beverly Hills, up a huge hill overlooking the whole town. It was beautiful. And uh, that's where it began. So I, I came out. Plus, we had the movie coming out. So, you know, I mean. You had work. You had a, there was buzz around you. Yeah. There was buzz, yeah. There was a lot of buzz at that time. But, uh, you, know, it, you know, just so you know, folks, you know, it can happen real quick and it can end just as quick, even faster. <laughs> so at what point, how long were you out here until you got Knott's Landing? Because as you said, oh, that's fine, well, I got out huge. here in 1980, okay? okay. I, I got to Los Angeles and the movie came out. May of May twenty third, nineteen eighty. I got Knott's Landing in nineteen eighty eight. I think like when I first. But Knott's Landing, you know, there's lots of stuff in between that. But it Knott's was, Landing was a two show deal. I had no idea what Knott's Landing was because I had done a bunch of movies. 
So like, you know, we had I had a little bit of that attitude like I do movies. I don't know what Knott's Landing right. is. It's so, you know, ridiculous. Isn't it funny how that's changed? Like now all a lot of the movie stars are doing TV. Oh, you have the, to. The, the t- but the TV's so good. Yeah. I mean, you watch no, Ray no, Donovan or... Oh, that's right. I mean, it's, it's just, it's so well written. Exactly. And Knott's Landing, by the way, was actually a very yeah. well acted, well written show. It was excellent. It was the top. I mean, I, I, I didn't like the fact they call it a nighttime soap opera because I didn't feel like it was. I right. felt it was much more real. Well, I think I mean like the acting. You know, all these great actors on that show. I mean, Kevin Dobson and Michelle Lee. He had uh, what's his name, uh, Bill Devane. Oh, yeah, but I, I think, mean, it was just like just filled with you know. I think they called it the late night soap opera just because it would get the people to watch. I mean, well, it, here's it, the thing. I'll tell you about this, which was shocking. When that when I appeared on that show, like it was is crazy as fame you could ever imagine. Like you know, in the shower, working out at the gym another pair of feet suddenly i'm looking down and there's a and there's a guy they're going did you do you love her i'm like what are you talking about like asking me questions about the show i'm going wait a minute out of context i'm in the shower at the gym <laughs> you know he goes my wife has to know she's she's killing me i tell her you come to this gym oh my god you gotta say i said can i finish you know washing the boys and we'll right. talk about it later <laughs> you know and like stuff like that, like crossing Sunset Boulevard and like, you know, uh, somebody from the, you know, Vikings, like football team, stopping the car, getting out, picking me up. My wife wants to meet you and grabbing me, taking me with them to a bar, you know, uh, you know, to the rainbow. You know what I'm saying? It's like it was that kind of stuff. And See, people getting out of malls, like you could like, go shopping and, you know, that's when you knew like, because now think about this at that time. ABC, NBC, CBS. That was it. Right. And I know in Philly we had a few VHS. Yeah, but yeah, no one yeah, watched yeah, it. No, but yeah, no. there's three networks. And, and so the shows were. Right. So giant. Josh Landing was the 10th season. I did that show. I came on in the 10th season. It's already, they already had on their, the They had their following. But it was number 17 in the ratings, getting 27 million people watching it. So today, if you. I mean, that's that was at the peak of. Uh, right. You know, what's the show? You know, uh, Ameri- uh, no, America's Got Talent or whatever it is. You know, like. Oh, uh, yeah, with uh, Bob Saget. Well, no, no. Well, well, no, the. The, the, oh, right the, now, American Idol? Yeah, American Idol at its peak was getting 28 million to 30 million people. Think about that. That's number one. This was 17. I know. So how does, I mean, how did you, you were, how old are you when you, that's, that comes out? 28. Okay. Now, you, you, I mean, you, you have some, you know, people probably had some recognizing from sure. different bits and parts. But now it's like, it's like, say, it's like rock star status. I mean, it, it, it Beatles. is. Beatles. I got the, you know, I got my little dream. Right. But being I mean, chased but, around by the girls because yeah. I was on TV. But, <laughs> but did it just, what, what's like one of the weirdest things that ever happened to you? Because everyone has great weird stories when, when people recognize them. I think just like a bizarre thing that someone happened. I came out of a, a hotel in Hawaii. And uh, I was feeling my oats, you know. I mean, pretty recognizable at the time. And this, these people came up. They were approaching me tr- with trepidation, you know. And they're like at the cameras, and they're like, "Can you, you know?" And they're like, "Would you take a, you know? Can you take, you know?" And I'm saying, "Sure," you know, like you gotta, you want to take a picture. They go, "No, no, no. Would you take a picture of us?" <laughs> <laughs> so that was one of the. That was you know one of those double reverses. But uh, you know, I don't know. Um, it was, you know, it was all great. I mean, I enjoyed every aspect of it. You know, I might have overdone it probably, you know, drinking, you know, like the, the, the ass, that aspect of it got a little out of control. Well, they say back then, man, if you were in a hit series, anywhere you go, you drink it for free. 
Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's like, everything. You know, I, used, I used to wait tables for Planet Hollywood, and there would be like Gary Coleman would come in and they comp him all the time. My I first mean, TV show. But okay, different strokes. <laughs> I love, I love, <laughs> I love the, I love that because you know. So who else? Uh, I think Robert Romanus was on Different Strokes. I'm sure he was. And it's like every, it's like, and he played like Gooch or some weird. Well, guy. I was the Vooch in All the Right Moves, so the, I'm sure he did. I mean, I, in fact, I, I coach my son's little league team right now, and one of the guys, one of the, the commissioner of the little league team. He's a big fan of all the right moves. And he was, you know, and I went, can you imagine we have drafting six-year-olds? You know, right. we have a draft. <laughs> and I got to sit there and I, you know, I had to evaluate them one day and then go draft kids. And I'm sitting there and the guy keeps calling me the gooch. And I said, no, it's not the gooch. It's, it's the vooch. <laughs> he goes, yeah, well, I call you the gooch. And I go, not for long. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're, you get, you're doing all this. You're working. You know, you have the big. Everyone recognizes you. Right. Now, now, not landing ends. Yeah. No, well, that was. Well, my father died. My father okay. got sick with pancreatic cancer, and he died. And that was very. He was my cheerleader. He, I was very, very close with my father. He used to come out quite a bit with my mom. You know, my sisters, my brother, whatever. You know, I'd fly everybody out different times. You know, we had a great. You know, we were a very close family. And my dad got pancreatic cancer, and it was a nightmare. And I got. I was I was not good. I was not not in a you know very uh, good place emotionally, mentally, any of that. And and then he died. And when he died, I it was off the show. I you know it was you know. And then there was a, this void uh, happened. And I was you know drinking. I was you know crazy. I was out of control really. And that was the beginning of the uh, you know getting a little too uh, crazy and not knowing you know not you know not having your anchor you know you know we all need somebody we all need people mentors or people that you're close with that can guide you and help you not that they, my father could guide me because he was a bartender he didn't know uh, what the Hollywood scene was right. really like but, but he's a hardworking guy who's, yeah but but he, he knew people he knew people okay. and he could be with he'd come here and he he could you know he could read people and he was good and. Uh, um, one of the speaking of weird things, I'll tell you, my agent's assistant. We used to get together and have card nights. My father was visiting. My father was a big time card player. Okay, he's from was that he era. He was, was a great he... card player, and he was a pool player and all that stuff. You know, all the, all the he was like you know Jimmy Cagney. You know, so uh, we were playing cards and we were playing AC Ducey, and there was a there was an argument over like I won the pot, and the, this, this agent's assistant was saying you know no no, and then he told my father f you. Give him the fu, and I, I grabbed this guy, and my father, no, 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 take it easy, no, no. and then okay, he did it again a second time. He said fu to my dad during the game. I'm saying like, who's this kid? And right, what, you know, what, what, this kid's my dad. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? It's like you know, he's you know, if anything, if even if you're right, you don't say it respect. It's someone's yes, spot. It's someone's spot. It's my dad. Yeah. I've already told you now once, so I. He did it a third time, and I I told him that you know, and I almost went after him the the first time, and you know, it was like one of those, hey, everybody sit down and calm down, and blah blah blah. And then the third time, I said, I'm going to take you outside. We, we have to have a conversation. And I took him outside and gave him a beating. You know, I just put a beating to him. I mean, I said, you know, I don't know where you come from, what kind of upbringing you had, but that's three times now. Now it's shame on me. I mean, it's ridiculous. Right. But what happened? And, and what happened was, you know, this guy ended up becoming like, uh, you know, his sister ended up casting, you know a show that I don't end up not getting. Right. 
and then later on he's working for a manager that wants to sign me that you know was a you know and he's he's the partner he's like the junior partner years later then i never got they never signed me so it does fall you know silly things like that you know if i could have back and i remember my dad saying to me you know don't what are you doing you know this is your business you can't do things like that and i i, I it was justifiable anger which i realized oh, yeah, today totally. you know i was 28 i was drunk you know i was drinking you know what i mean you, you don't you don't think straight and my father used to say if you drink you're gonna do stupid things and there you go and that that particular instance haunted me for a while i mean i've made i mean i took the guy to lunch and apologized but you know all that stuff but i mean right away i did that i mean you know i i try to do the the show him this is a gentleman but the guy was being a dick yeah and he was a dick and he is a dick right so that's just like you know i mean any anyone i know would sit there and go wait wait you called this guy you said f you to this guy's dad twice well you know deserve to get your ass kicked yeah no that's right that's what i figured but i mean it's still not you know it was there are other ways to do to skin a cat yeah well you know Getting somebody, you know, trying to put the hurt on somebody now is, to me is, you know, although you want to, like, ex-wives or something. Yeah, you know? see, I, I, just, I look at me, I can't hit anyone. I mean, I... I well, I, I don't, it's like, no, I'm, I, I'm, I'm a completely the opposite. I have a six-year-old son, you know, that's taking Taekwondo because I can see in schools, and I write children's books now. Right. And in the children's books, it's always about being helpful, loving, and kind, and loyalty to friends. That's the theme of the Charlie Bubbles series, right? You know, the adventures of Charlie Bubbles, Charlie Bubbles to Smartsville, it's the new book that just came out. Uh, I go around the country donating books. I have celebrities that you know purchase the books. And get, they get behind the cause because they love the theme, they love the story, the well, message. I, I saw on your website um, Gandolfini yeah, delivered. Jimmy. Now, yeah. have, were you good friends with him? Or? Tight, yeah, very tight. Now, long did, time. Did long you meet time. him out here? Or I met him in New York in a blizzard in 1991 or something. Okay, like. and that was after you were on Not Slanting? Not Slanting, yeah. And I was doing a movie. We, we met on a, a set of uh, an indie film. Oh, I worked that Indian. Italianos. Yeah, it's called The Italians. Italians, okay. And, and uh, it was a blizzard, a freezing cold New York swirl, you know, just one of those devastating, like, biting cold. And I had to get to Brooklyn. We were shooting in a church, and I found the church, and I walked down the stairs, and it was, you know, it was just the wind was howling, and there were these army blankets lining both sides of the corridor, and there was little lights on it. And I walked down this corridor, and I pushed open this door. And now you have to imagine, okay, this is the basement of a church, Sunday school. There's this hulking big, big man. Right, right, right. Sitting in a little Sunday school <laughs> chair with a long gray duster on. His hair all slicked back and his hand wrapped around a bottle of Zambuca. And I walked up to him and I said, baby, you're the only one that understands me. And I took a big <laughs> plug of that Zambuca and we became then, you know, fast friends and we were friends. We, he actually lived with me at the beach for a little while. And Jimmy was a great, he's, he was a great guy. Were you directed, a, he, was he in Club Soda? Yes, he was. Okay, which Club Soda, I looked at the cast. The cast was just, I mean. I'm a sensational. I, I mean, you look at it and I was sitting there going, okay. And now, now, is that a feature or a short? It was a short film. And then that's I should have made, I mean, the, the amount of work I put into that, that was the, the thing that I regret. If I, there's one regret about it, I should have made a movie. What amazes me, though, is I was sitting there because I was going through your stuff and I was like, I was like, wow, look at this cast and for short. Now, did you know all those guys or how did you get them all? Well, Mike Rispoli, I knew. Jimmy introduced me to Mike. Uh, it's so funny about him. He's in a ton of stuff. He's great. He's I, great. I, I was watching an old Law and Order. Oh, he's in a lot of them. But no, his credit was Respolt. I don't know if he ever changed his name for a little bit because I was like, that's not. No, I because I, I, I was I on the know. other day. I'll and ask I'm him. There, I'm going. It's Respoli, and then I sit there and go Respoli. I said it has to be him, and it was an old one. It's like with uh, with with Jerry Orbach. Paul, and, Paul, what are you doing, Paul? How are you, Paul? So how did you know him? Jimmy introduced me to him. 
Okay. And we became fast friends. I loved Mike. I mean, I still do to this day. Mike and I were very, very close. We got close very, you know. Jimmy used to go, well, what did you do to this guy? I mean, he loves you. And I go, well, the same thing I did to you. <laughs> so uh, who else was in uh, And there was, uh, it was um, uh, Joe Montaigne, who is one of the greatest, you know, like he and, you know, they all are. But Joe, I've known, I did a pilot with Joe in 1981 or something. Okay. For, uh, uh, you know, called Now We're Cooking. Okay. And Joe was the cop. He was the best thing in it. I have to say this. I was one of the stars with uh, Lyman Ward and Cleavon Little. Oh, Cle Cleavon Little was classic. Yeah, Cleavon was great. And they, yeah, and Joe was in that. And we, be, you know, he. I, I'll tell you, he, we became friends because there was a girl that was working as one of the grips, and she kept showing coming around to you know where I was sitting right. with Joe and Kibitzin and sharing stories and so, you know I was just a kid. I'm again. I was like 21 or 22 or something. And she kept showing up every day. <laughs> She'd be over sweeping around us, and I'd stop and I'd look at her and say, "Can we, you know, can we help you?" And by the end of the week, you know, she's over there sweeping like at my feet again. And I just looked up at her and said, "You want it real bad now, don't you?" <laughs> and Joe fell off his chair. <laughs> Joe fell off his chair, and that that was it. That was like you know we were pals, and uh, he is one of the great guys. He so just you, truly is. How did you tell these guys I'm doing this movie? And you wrote it, right? I wrote it. I produced it. I wrote the music for it. Um, yeah. What's, what's it about? It's about a boy from Boston who goes to New York to become an actor. Okay. And what happens is it's a true story. Uh, I worked at this bar in Manhattan called the Abbey Pub, and I was a busboy there. That's the job I also got fired from before I got the movie, so it's all connected. And uh, I worked for this guy, Michael Kearney, who was, uh, he owned a couple of uh, gay bars and you know he, he was a very he was an entrepreneurial guy but he was a drunk and he would walk around in a monk's habit and you know bless you and just right. stumble down it was just crazy <laughs> he was great and he and he hired only, me. only people from bad geese go it's great like yeah, everyone else would go yeah, what yeah, yeah, that's yeah, like if you see a guy with a skipper's hat walking around drinking you're yeah, like that's yeah, awesome yeah, no, that's great. Great. No, and he'd sit at the bar with his little you know with his beard and he'd look at <laughs> himself in the mirror pulling at his beard going you know why do you want to be an actor come on look at this guy look at Joe he's been with me 20 years look at he's got a career you know and look at Joe and he's like you know he's like stooped over he's like you know smoking <laughs> five cigarettes at, at once and I'm saying yeah I don't want to be Joe anyway so Mike was great so he uh, what happened was somebody robbed they put a hole in the ceiling came in through the ceiling now how crazy Mike Kearney was he would come in late at night whacked and get, tell me to you know take the money to get the <laughs> cash register and he'd put it places around the restaurant okay so they come in they, they rip a hole in the ceiling, they come in, and he, he thinks it's me. Where's the money? What'd you do with the money? You, you robbed me. I go, what are you talking about? He goes, you robbed me. He goes, no. He goes, you came in. You know how to get in here. You, I said, you think I, 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 I like, put a hole in the ceiling? I gotta get, you know. I said, you know, really? He goes, yeah. He goes, where's the money? So I said, Mike, you're crazy. You put it in the ice chest. Look in the ice chest. And he goes to the ice chest, and there's the, the money's in the ice chest, you know? So... I wrote a story based on those events that the you know that this kid goes to Boston he he from Boston to New York and he meets these you know a drug dealer a bartender and a cab driver and these become the kind of men, they're his mentors they all see a part of them their misplayed youth in him okay and they all love him and they all try to you know help him in their own ways whether it's good or bad and James Gandolfini plays, we shot it actually in Los Angeles, the, the double for New York, which was at the, uh, on 6th Street. 
at um, Molly Malone's. Okay. And Molly Malone's has all these paintings on the wall. Right. So what I did was I put it, we, we made a painting of Jim and put it on the wall and the kid robs the joint and when he comes through, it's a thunder lightning storm and through the lightning, he gets, he gets hit when he lands into the, comes through the ceiling and the jukebox kicks on and it's Hocus Pocus. That's the tune it's playing. All right. It's Hocus Pocus I wrote. You're out of focus, you're in, you're out, you're out, you're in. And there's no shortcuts, young man. You, you got to do the job right, you know. So, and on the wall is Gandolfini, and the electrical current goes from the kid into Jim, and Jim becomes the ghost. Okay, and tries to guide him. Okay, so now, now, what? When did you get good reaction from that? Or well, you know, uh, we did. We short, went out. We, so. we yeah, we went. It was it was you know, I was one man band, and unfortunately, I didn't uh, you know let people come in and try to help me. I you know, I was trying to get it you know into as many hands as I could. We won a bunch of you know, sh we won a lot of awards, you know, best shorts and all those you know dramatic shorts and. And uh, I tried to uh, extend this into a movie. I wrote a screenplay about it, and, uh, you know, we, we had discussions, and then, you know, it just never happened. I just, you know, I was tired, to tell you right. the truth. And my wife was pregnant, and my son was born so. all in the same time. So I'm trying to get the movie out. I'm going on the road, going to New Jersey, going to Seattle, going to Boston, going to with the Club Soda movie. And, you know, and, and you know, suddenly I got a child now. And she's got to go back to work because, you know, what's going to happen right. here? You know, so she goes back to work and I finished writing the script. But, you know, I never I didn't. I did another short. Um, they wanted me for Steven Spielberg's show that followed. Uh, uh, what's the show? Was it Amazing Stories? Was that, no, it was it was the next great director, which was okay. going to follow on Sunday nights on Fox. You know, the, 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 the find the talent show. American Idol. American Idol, right, exactly. So that, but they, I didn't want to do that because they wanted to follow us with cameras and my wife was pregnant and they wanted to come to the house and then you had to go leave her and live on the lot for, right. and they got cameras up your yin-yang and they're filming you going to the bathroom and they're talking and on the phone conversations and they can cut that any which way they want. And they wanted me to give up my rights as, as an actor, SAG. And You're I said, like, no. no. I said, what do you mean? I'm, I'm, I'm an actor. That's what I do. I mean. And I got I to gotta go off subject right here, which is just funny because it's, um, I, have, I had a guest who it turns out, you know, you've heard of uh, Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. Well, sure. I have Three Degrees of Patrick O'Sullivan. And really? now, oh, you know Patrick? Yeah, he was on, because no, cause I was just joking. He no, goes, what he are you goes, doing? Yeah, because it's funny, because I know, and the funny thing is also, he, wow, he got me Lily Holloman, who was in, uh, oh, in what, at, in, in, at your friends. Or What uh, do you mean? You mean for, for walking, the walking show? No, 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 she was in a movie with you. I was at your friends or something like that. Oh, your friends. Your friends, yeah. But Christopher, because I, I mean, I always talk to Patrick, and he goes, who's on this week? And so I always go, you always get a shout out. I said, there seems like there's always a connection or something. And I go, okay. I said, I'm sure you don't, because my next guest is Mindy Sterling. I said, I'm sure you don't know Mindy Sterling. I'm sure you don't know Paul Carafoto. And he goes, oh, yeah. He, no, was, he was in All About Walking. Yeah. And I'm like, and I told him, I said, you know what? Now, there you go, Patrick. There's your uh, obligatory Patrick O'Sullivan plug. Yeah, Pat. Well, I want to say, Pat, Pat did a, he's done a great job over the years and developed that show, and the show's gotten better and better and better. And I have the one great story that really kind of gets under his skin. Yeah, I want to okay. hear it, because if he's listening, he'll listen. At, <laughs> yeah, I'm up at ICM, and I'm talking to my buddy Paul Hook, who's one of the partners up there, right? So I'm doing, no, come here. I'm doing, like, walking for him. Like, and he's going, oh, my God, let's go upstairs, because walking's agent is at ICM. So I walk in there, and I'm doing, what are you doing? Get off the phone. The tattoos on your ass. Wow, you know. And she goes, "Get Chrissy on. Get call Chrissy. Get him on the phone." So, <laughs> so <laughs> they call Chris Christopher Walken, and they put me on the phone. And I go, "Chris, what are you doing?" And he goes, "That's very good." I said, "I'm in a show called All About Walken. It's all about you." 
We want you to come down and see the show. Bring your family, your agent, your whole family. There's no <laughs> cops, Chris. And he goes, that's really good. I like that, Paul. Uh, you, you know I live in New York, and I, you know, da-da-da-da. And next thing you know, you know, we're talking and we're chatting. And then he's, he's you know, I promise if I come to Los Angeles, I'll come see the show. And I said, great. So... You know, I had this conversation. I go back to what I'm doing the show. And I tell Patrick, and he's going, I've been doing this show for five years. And the thing, and you get to talk to Christopher Morgan. Ah! You know, I was like, wow, baby. It was great. That's just funny. Do you do, do, you do a lot of stage? I've done, you know, I, sh I probably should have done a lot more. I mean, I've, I was in a great show with E.G. Daly called Tarzana Tansy, which was very successful in Who, the early she 80s. She just was on The Voice, I guess. She was on The Voice. She's, and she has a voice. And yes. I'm one of the few who's done a duet. I think I'm on the only one that's ever sung a duet with her because we did a duet in the show. Okay. Called uh, Boy Girl. It's a song called Boy Girl. And she's phenomenal talent. I mean, she's just a package. Well, I remember members her from Valley Girl. You know, she was like, right? I remember members and then Pee Wee stuff and stuff like that. She was just, and then all of a sudden I saw him. Like, I'm like, wait, because I'm saying to myself, I saw something on Facebook. She does, I'm like, she does all the voices. Yeah, man. she does. And a lot she of does voices. like Rugrats, I think, like stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, she or, does Pickles, the voice of Tommy Pickles. I, I mean, she's. But I was sitting there. I'm like, I'm sitting. There, I see something. I go, that can't be the same E.G. Daly. No, that's her. And then I went. And then you look at her, she has a very distinct look. And I go, oh my God, that is her. Oh, she's crazy. cute. Jimmy, Jimmy always, Gandolfini, yeah, I, yeah. I was, yeah, yeah. He was always going, hey, hey. Give me a little of that. Come on. Well, how did you what end about up, me? How did you end up in the walking? How did that happen? I, I, I don't, I don't remember. I, you know, I was doing, I was uh, bartending for a short period of time. And there was a guy that used to come in and he did all these voices. And he was fantastic. He'd do uh, walking and he would do, you know, Mickey Rock. And how you doing? You know, what are you doing? And he'd do all these voices, and he was great. And so everybody started to do it. We were all doing walking. And then somebody said, there's a show called All About Walking, and so maybe you should try it. And then a friend of mine called and just left a message saying, there's a guy you got to talk to. His name's Paul Carafotis. He left it at the box office on the thing. And then my phone rang, and I think it was Patrick calling me That's saying, do you want to come down and do it? And, you know, I'm, and Charlie was just a baby. My wife was working. I had to take Charlie. He was going to every rehearsal. I had my son with me. How old was he? Just... He was like three months old, oh, six funny. months old. But I bet, he did, I bet he did, his first few words were walking. I bet he was doing well, a walk. Well, he was there. He was there. <laughs> he was there, certainly, through all of it. And... uh it was a great. It's a great show. If anybody out there hasn't seen it, you should see it and see Patrick. They're all very good in it. There was I mean, the, the thing that was really great was there was like some girls that were doing walk. They, well, you know, Lily, Lily was, was one. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's there's several of them that were in there that were great. I mean, just the fact that they're trying to do De Niro right. and walking. I mean, just we see these women doing it. It was it was just a, just a hoot. Now, yeah, you get when before damages. Yes, you were doing you were doing. I mean, you have you have a lot of shows where you did uh, guest parts. Yes, on. many many. Now. What was that like? Because a lot of times people say you go on and if, if you get if you're close with the cast and you have to leave, it's sort of like you know when like in college when your friend's buddy would visit for the weekend and then you're like, oh, this guy's cool, and then he'd leave. I mean, was it was it uh, did you were you was it weird for you to do that to play those parts or because you're used to more movies and stuff like that? I, I don't know what you mean. What you mean is it no, weird just to go step in and do a guest role? Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. Well, I mean because mostly you know. Uh, I mean, the truth be, you know, it's it's hard to just show up when a cast has been together, and they've got a camaraderie going. They got a familiarity with each other. They have a comfortability that's their set. They've been working there. It, it becomes theirs. You know, when you come in from the outside, it's a little cool. It's a little hard to, you know, because you got pressure. You know, you you know, you want to do well. 
you, a lot of times they're changing things on you right up until the camera's rolling. So, you you know, you got your brain sort of fried from trying to right. relearn the lines a certain way or whatever that is. Um, um, but, you know, there's been also great experiences and, and doing damages was one of those. It was a great, there's talk about great actors on well, that show. I mean, you know what's funny is I remember... I watched the first season and I thought it was great. I watched the second season and I thought it was great. And sometimes you get caught up in doing stuff so you miss it. And then all of a sudden it was like- Did you miss the, th- the season I was on? I don't know. Were you on the direct TV one? Yeah. No, I don't, I don't have direct TV. So I missed that. Because that, that's what- so well, it was the first- No, the first season that I was on, the, the season that I, that I was on was on the last season on Fox. No, I saw that because then I watched your reel and I saw that. And right, I saw right. that. So Yeah, then it, was, it moved to direct TV. And which, was, which was weird because you're just, you're taking an audience and you're going, okay, because I, I have charter. I don't. I, I don't. Uh, I, I, yeah. It's done. I don't. Don't get me started on this stuff with the cable. I, I'm getting rid of all of it. I, I can't, I've had done with Charter. I'm done with Directv. I don't like any of it. I, I think it's just all a rip now. I mean, something that they used to give you for free, no commercials. We're paying out the nose for now. Oh, it's crazy. And then you're getting commercials on top of it, and they don't pay the actors. The problem I have is that they're not SAG wise. I don't know what SAG's doing, and uh, you know, but. The fact of the matter, these you know producers that come in and say we don't understand the you know this is new media and it's all BS. I mean they make plenty of money, every, plenty of money for everybody, and guys making twenty million dollars a picture, and then it trickles down that we you can't pay a guy who you know was at one time could feed his family right. as an actor, like a middle class actor. They've wiped it out. You cannot make a living as an actor anymore. I'm you know that's really. It's odd. I don't know what happened to this industry and why people aren't like on the streets, like Storm in Washington. I don't get it. You know, I mean, I don't know what's happening. I mean, they give us, you know, the Playstations and the, you know, they, you know, like you get the gas, they lower the gas 30 cents. Everybody's, oh, okay. I don't, uh, it's, 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 it's mind boggling to me that the people aren't on, out in the street screaming, like, I'm not going to take this anymore. Well, I've, I've heard that a lot about the commercial actors because before, if you, if you had a national, man, you were making bank, but now it's like they buy it out and you don't, or whatever. And well, it's, like, they, it's they, they, you know, it's like everything else. It's like the tax code. You know what I mean? You find ways to loophole, get more money for yourself, and the government's constantly trying to close those holes and do something else. And then you're hiring people to try to open those holes and right. find out another. It's the same deal. So they found out in the old days, you know, it was national network spot. You could do one and make 100 G's. Well, the creatives get in there. All the, the, the accountants, the creative accountants get in there. And what do they find? They go, well, look, at, you know, New York's a major. Chicago's a major. And L.A. is a major. So if we just give them L.A. major and then put it around the surrounding places in Chicago, we don't have to pay them a national scale, pay scale anymore. Okay. We can pay them one major market and some little, you know, stipends for this. And they, I mean, they found ways to do it. Now it's the cable. Now you're getting pay out a bio for it's it's horrible what's happened you no. cannot make a living anymore as an actor unless you're really successful have you have you done commercials i've done lots of commercials what are some of your commercials you've done oh my god starting back i mean i was snack was one of the snackers you know okay. for corn chips back to your corn chips <laughs> kodak seven up cokes um Oh geez, I mean, I, I the most recent one maybe I did Orbit Gum with what's her name, the the, the crazy girl that's the model, uh, had her own reality show. I don't know, you know, I've done I've done uh, many many spots over the years. Miller Lite with L McPherson, that uh, it was a great spot. You know, that must I, be great. Do you work with L McPherson? You can't oh, yeah, you well, can't complain about I mean, that. No, not at all. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's just you know. I mean, I've had a really varied. I've been very fortunate 
and lucky, you know, on one hand that I've done as much as I've done. And then on the other hand, you know, I always, you know, you always want a bit more. Right. That, that seems to happen to a lot of people. Now, damages, when you did damages, was that, did you just go in for one day and then it just expanded or was that? Uh, no, I actually called uh, Todd Kessler, who was the creator of that show and said, Todd, I need a job. And he said, all right. He said, uh, we're going to find something for you. And that was like in the first season. You're the man with the jacket. I was the man in the overcoat. I call the man with the jacket. Ben. What was your name? Ben DiCarlo. Well, now, did you get to do scenes with Glenn Close? I didn't know. I actually never worked That's weird. With her. That's weird. Well, what happened on that show is that a little bit of the insider was that the, when they hired me, they were trying to find um, the guy that I was, Zedek, that I was right. working for. And if, at first, it was going to be Ron Howard. Which was thrilling to me that you know, this, but they and they only wanted Ron for like three of three shows or something, and they couldn't the scheduling couldn't get okay. the scheduling right, and that was like I said oh, and then they went from there to uh, um, one of my favorite actors, and of course I'm sounding like I have a bit of a, like old you know, Alzheimer's yes because I can't remember people's names, but he was in Midnight Run with De Niro Groden Groden so Groden and I thought wow that's going to be awesome he's great right. But he didn't want to be. He's in politics. He doesn't want to be an actor anymore. Okay. <laughs> Grodin's awesome. Then they go, the Uncle Junior. Which people, when I wear my hat, they say I look like a young Uncle okay, Junior. Okay, you do. So. <laughs> so, But here's the thing. I mean, Uncle Junior's in New York, and he could do all the shows, so you don't need me anymore. Right. <laughs> right? I mean, you don't need my character, really. Essentially, what, what it was was they wanted to get like somebody like Ron Howard, and I would be the person always bringing the news of what's going on with Zedek, okay. and you don't have to see Zedek. Like, he would be a guy that was a little bit more... Out of, you know, the old school doesn't want the lights, doesn't show up to talk to anybody. He sends the man in the overcoat. Okay. He does. He carries the message. Now, do people recognize you from that? Like, and you're, I had, you're, I've had two people. You're come mean, up to me. though. Are they, cause, no, no, that's not necessarily well, true. I, I, I saw in your reel where you're just shooting a guy. You're, you're shooting yeah, yeah, yeah. him. Well, in the like, end. I mean, you don't okay, know what's going to happen. I know, happen. but I'm just watching it going, I go, I man, this guy's like mean. A, I go, this this Carafotis uh, is mean. Nah, He's nah, mean. No Bonnie Sadva. This Carafotis. No, no. Carafotis. Set of Iraq, uh, Carafotis, um was it was it was the dark, charming fellow. Okay, that, that's the it. way I. Because when when I worked with Uncle Junior, I always try to play the scenes as though I had such admiration and love for him. So any scenes you see me in with him, I have a different. There's a different tone. Okay. And then when I'm going to do his work. I am monitor. I am, uh, you know, it's Doctor Death. Okay, I'm coming to tell you this, and if you see me again, it's not going to be good. <laughs> okay, and here's what I here's what I ask you. You know, you're playing Doctor Death and all that. Now, now no, how, I wasn't. Doctor. I know, but I was no, a lawyer. Saying, I was a lawyer, which how, is very close. How did you get into writing kids' books? Because that's just it's so funny. It's so it's. Uh, you know, you're this actor, you play all these roles, you know, and you, you're, you know, well, I've been football like, players, dancers, yeah, singers, and, and then, I've been and all a kid's, I mean, it's funny, it's like not even just like a book, but and it's funny because now it's a books, series of books. It, yeah, but how did, how did, how did that idea come my out? My son was born that? when my okay. son, I waited a long time to be a dad. I, you know, I, I, w I waited a long time to see the eyes of my child. And okay. when he came, and it was a surprise that he was a boy we didn't want to know. And did you want a boy? I mean, I, well, I mean, I wanted a healthy child. Right. I mean, but I mean, did you, were you slaying age, maybe a little? Well, I mean, you, you always have that, like, oh, I want, you know, I want the son, you know. Right. I mean, you do. But, I mean, I was happy, and my father's name was Charlie, and we decided to call 
the child Charlie, whether it was a boy or a girl. So I, we we were out buying stuff that was for like kind of girlish, okay, and some boyish stuff we didn't really know, right? And when he spun out of the, you know, came out of mom and spun around, and he had the little uh, little shputty there, he was like, oh yeah, <laughs> it's a boy, and I was just uh, I was so joy just as the the whole experience of birth and uh, what Emma had to go through for that and. You know, unfortunately, you know, whatever. But I mean, we we now like you know, and then I was home with Charlie, and he was laying on my chest, and I'm feeding him the milk, and I'm changing his diapers, and I'm you know, I'm dad, I'm I'm home. She went back to work, and he would lay on my chest, and I'd blow these bubbles off my tongue, these little tiny bubbles. And right. That's when the first he got like, like eyes lit up, bubbles. You know, I don't know what happened to him. He tried his tiny arms would grab at the bubbles. Isn't it weird, kids? But kids have that fascination with bubbles. Bubbles, Even when yeah. Little, like just when, like, like my, you know, it's like a, my niece when she's like two. You know, once they get that bubble thing, they'll just sit there for hours, yeah. going like this, and you're so, going, stop it! You're getting the apartment. Yeah, all but you. he was very, yeah, he was like six months okay. old or something. So, and, but then it came to me, the idea was planted. Charlie bubbles. Okay. What would happen if this kid could blow a big enough bubble to get him in and out of trouble? He'd go on this magical mystery ride in a bubble. What would it be like? What who would he meet? What would happen to him? You know, how would he be? And that's where it began. And I started to write this and then read to Charlie. That you know, because I read to him all the time. So even when it was his mom's belly, we were reading to him. And reading's very important. You know, in fact I'm trying we're hooking up now with reading for kids and literacy you know, for children to make sure that, you know, reading is fun, which it is. And there's a visceral thing that happens between parents that's never going to go away with a book, a father or a mother, and a child. That thing, you know, I remember with my mom. Well, how old is the character in a book? Well, he, 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 because it took five years now to okay. get that first book done. So you were, you, were, you were telling him stories and you were reading what you were writing to him. Right. But the stories about, you know, Charlie, you know, there's two bees show up. And one's honeybee and one's mean bee. And mean bee tries to bust, burst his bubble. He okay. gets afraid of the buzz. He blows his big bubble. Honeybee takes mean bee out the window and off they go. But Charlie's now blown this big bubble and a gust of wind comes and the bubble goes out the window. Okay. And now he's on this thing. And he meets uh, Polly. It's a squirrel. But the squirrel's so afraid of the outside world. As you know, squirrels are fidgety and right. quick. And they, you know, he hides inside a pumpkin shell. So we call him Polly Pumpkin. And that's his armor to face the world. And along the way, they meet a discarded teddy, an old teddy bear that the family doesn't want anymore because he has a hiccup problem. Okay. He hiccups and he's old. So this unlikely trio get together and they're going to try to find Charlie's way home. And through this journey, Polly doesn't be- he becomes fearless and Teddy becomes useful. And their lo- loyalty between the three characters what happens to them and they're fiercely loyal to one another and now that's a loyalty and the theme is to be helpful loving and kind that's well, the thing now when you do it which is you know it's first of all it must so be he was five, he was just just to finish it so that's so so it took five years right now charlie was five years old when that book came out so now the next book is called charlie bubbles to smartsville and he is a little older in it, see as you can see by this cover, you folks out there in Radio Land can't okay, see. Okay, yeah, because yeah, in the middle he's in he's in a onesie, and he's now onesie, he's in and he's now, in pants and right, a shirt. So, so this is where he's going to probably stay because now it follows my son's life. I mean, now he's coming home saying, "Dude," you know what I mean? Whatever, dude. You know what I mean? So he's talking like this, and so this is is a little bit more advanced in terms of story and what happens and music is the theme in this one because music is the thing. He gets a, he's he's a bongo player, drums. And it, you know, in this in this story, a caterpillar is dancing to his bongo beat, full of joy, falls off his windowsill. The ants pick him up, take him to Smartsville, where the ants live. 
and Charlie's got to find out where Smartsville is and go rescue his friend. Now, how do you decide? I mean, how do you, you know, because you've written, you've written one movie about that and all. How do, when you write this, I mean, it's it's a matter of you have to sit there. And I know you have a you you have a son and he's young, but it's like you're. It must be hard to actually figure out, you know. You know, the characters. I mean, how'd you come up with a squirrel or a bear? It was just did something when you were younger, you had a bear or you liked squirrels or just, it just, I mean, because th- was the process just an easy flow when you were writing it? The first one was not. The first one, because, you know, you got a kid in mind. So, you know, that was a hard to wrap your mind around writing a kid's story because there was a lot of machinations, a lot of different, writing is rewriting. Right. So I wrote the story and then, da, 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 and then Hollywood got involved and suddenly we're going to make a cartoon out of it. We're going to have a movie and we need it in. I got Gandolfini and Joe Montana playing the voices and E.G. Daly. And I'm, you know, incorporating all my friends, and then nothing happens, and then you go away for a year and a half, and then I think, wait a minute, I've written this thing, you know, keep working on it, owning it, fine, and that's what I did, and it took, and I took, um, it took that time to, to just get the first one done and get it out, and I just didn't want to go through the usual agents and try to right. find, so I wanted to do it myself, and that's what we did. So we went out and we did that, and last year, and now I had all these people come forth and help out and give us great quotes, and you know, start to get involved in the the Boston bombings happened, you know the the. You know, back in April on, on Patriots Day, and I had to do something about that. And you go back to my hometown, so I said, you know, I called hospitals up, Boston Children's, you know, Tuss Floating, Cam Neely, who's a sports, he's a hockey player from, you know, these the Bruins, he's the president of the Bruins now. I started to go there and sing. I play. I've written some songs for Charlie Bubbles, and this, you know, "Come and Meet Charlie Bubbles" song. I wish I brought my my guitar with me. I would have done a song for you. But you can go to the Charlie Bubbles book website. I mean, it's what's Charlie that? Bubbles. What's the address? It's Charlie Bubbles Book One Word dot com. Okay. Or you can go to Amazon and pick up the book. Now, how's the, or the re- books? I should say you got b- two books now, our, our kid- and the third one. I'm I'm in the middle of the third one. There's going to be number three. Now, how and this one? He- hold on. Just as they get, I'm introducing another new character in the new book. It's Ty the Butterfly. Okay. And my friend Ty Babylonia, the great skating champ, yes. is now going to. She makes chocolates. Says so we're going to team up now and do some events together. Where you know we're having T-shirts made up with Ty the Butterfly with skates, pink skates on her. And she's going to be with the, I'll be with the book. She'll be with me and we're going to do some, some events around the country. And it's going to be really great because we're introducing the new book. We've got new characters, ties, you know, just an homage to her. When you're singing and, you know, and all that singing to the kids, I mean, is it, it must make you feel really good. I mean, do they have a reaction like? Well, some kids is, you know, when you go to some of these places, they're sick. They're very right. sick children. And there's some that are very young. So the whole process is a little... You know what I mean? You're a trying little, to pump yeah. yourself and pump, you know, pump up to get through it because you know you're not paying attention. There, you know, you can see their poor things that you know some of them, and then some are exhilarating. Some, some, you know, you, I went to you know the children's hospital here where they did OMG did a piece on it. You know, that Jimmy was supposed to come with me and hand out books, and they did a nice, beautiful piece. OMG Insider did a thing on us, and uh, you know those kids were, you know, it was great. They were, you know, enthusiastic and down at Orange County Children's Hospital, they have, uh, you know, uh, back to that show, that show, that wonderful musical show that American everybody Idol. loves, American Idol, <laughs> and what's his name? You know, the great Seacrest. Yeah, Seacrest <laughs> is at some of these hospitals around the country. They have the Ryan Seacrest room, which you go into and they plug you into all the rooms in the hospital. You perform. They bring kids that want to come down oh, on cool. stage. They can interview you. It's like like this. You know what I mean? It's great. So now do, you, do you take bubbles to the show? I take bubbles. We give out bubbles. Now, do you have a little? Kids. Does a little? Does it say Charlie have, Bubbles? Yes, yes. Okay, it does. Cool, it cool. says Charlie Bubbles, and we Charlie. You know, when Charlie comes with me, my son comes to some of them, 
and he's a little shy, you know, but I get out there and sing and I'm playing and then soon after he gets warmed up, you know, he pushes dad away and opens the book and wants to read to everybody. It's See, that's cool. So now how now how old is he going to be in this next one? Because it's he went from the onesie to the Oh, the, the new book, he's like five. Okay, so he's going to be still wearing the jeans and whatever. Well, you saw it, right? right. Oh, that's the new book. I thought, I thought you did the third this, one. I meant no, the third, third one. I'm writing the third okay. one. The third one is going to be Bubble, Charlie Bubbles the Fenway. It's okay. going to, he wants, because he's a crazy baseball. Are you a big Red Sox fan? Oh, yeah. Series starts tomorrow. So, yes, it does. I know. I can't wait. I, you know what? I, I'm not, I, I'm not really a Red Sox fan, but the Cardinals, I don't really like. It's just, I think with series, my buddy was over last night. He's like, I can't wait to the series. And he's from Boston. And I was like, Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, great. I'm like, Yeah, the Phillies aren't in it this year, so who gives a crap? Ah, uh, well, yeah, listen, the Phillies had a couple of, you know, yeah. they, had, they had a little run. You know, I want to thank you for coming on. Uh, give, uh, give, give all your info. Give all your info for people. Yeah, listen, for uh, for anybody that's interested, these books are great. They're great to read to your kids. And uh, they're the Adventures of Charlie Bubbles series. And you can get it at charliebubblesbook.com. One word, Charlie Bubbles book. Or you can go to Amazon and you can get both books up there as well. But if you go to charliebubblesbook.com, I'll sign them. You can leave a little note when you order the book and say, could you sign it to my niece or my okay. daughter? Or, and we'll sign the books and we'll send them out to you. Great. All right. Well, I'm going to thank you on your uh, website. You have a website, right? Uh, yeah, it's Carafo- Well, just it's charliebubblesbook.com. That's the website. But you thought you had an acting website. Oh, yeah. It's carafotis.com. Go to carafotis.com. He's got a great reel. You'll go, wow, that's cool. I checked it out. Yeah. And people, uh, <laughs> remember, listen to me uh, every week here also. Uh, yeah, if I want to say this has been great. A lot of fun, and you did your research, and it yeah, was really no. smooth. Cool, good. Well, I want to thank you. Thanks a lot. And I want to thank people. Follow me on Twitter, at Cooper Talk. Follow me on Twitter, at f- Cooper Talk, or at... Carafotis12, at Carafotis12. <laughs> if it's online. Charlie Bubbles <laughs> book. It's back. It's okay. back up. Or Charlie Bubbles 5, okay. at Charlie Bubbles 5, awesome. or... I guess the adventures of Charlie Bubbles on Facebook too. Exactly. You can go there. Also, people send me an email at uh, Cooper Indy One Hundred dot com. Also, you can see about one hundred and ninety five past episodes on CooperTalk dot net. Go check that out, and also iTunes or Stitcher Radio. One word, uh, Cooper Talk. Just check it in. They're all up on there. Next week we have a great show. We have uh, from from uh, twenty four in the Sopranos. We have Louis Lombardi and from oh the great office, and from the Office Kate Flannery. So check that out and yeah, um, listen in for that. That's just you guys have been great. My name's Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my Steve guest. Cooper, ladies and gentlemen. Carafotis, 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 Carafotis. Thank you, Paul. Have a good, good day, these guys. Carafotis, Carafotis.